dwelling in the darkest depths of the mind. It's time for Mark D. Valenti and Brain Burrow. Hello everyone, this is Mark D. Valenti and this is yet another episode of Brain Burrow. This is our Digging Deep session where we have a chance to talk with our guest and our guest has a chance to talk about their motivation, their values, their fears, their struggles and their triumphs. And you as the listener and viewer have a chance to say, how does this apply to me? So I'm very pleased to have on the show today, Mr. Matthew Schmidt, and I'm going to turn it over to Matthew by asking him, you guessed it, the big open-ended question, who exactly is Matthew Schmidt? Oh, well, thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me. Um, who am I? Uh, wow, that is a tough one. It is open-ended. Um, I am... Someone who grew up in New York and in my adult years decided I didn't want to live in one place my whole life, so came to South Jersey. Um, I'm a person who's big on not having any regrets in life. So even when it comes to long shot dreams, I will always prefer to take the chance and fail than to never take the chance at all because I'm a big believer that you regret more what you don't try as opposed to what you do try. A little bit of my background, uh, I attended college at SUNY Purchase. For those from the not New York area, SUNY stands for uh, State University in New York and Purchase was the town I was in. Um, From there, uh, I tried the business world uh, for a little while, medical sales to be specific. Um, but I wasn't truly happy with what I was doing. So now, um, and this is going to sound a little cryptic, but unfortunately, because of the nature of my job, I'm not allowed to discuss what my day job is at the moment. Um, but like anything else, I don't like to leave any dream on the sideline. So I am also currently, aside from my day job, an independent filmmaker and screenwriter. So that is a little bit about me. Uh, I am married, two children, uh, two girls, because God has a heck of a sense of humor. And um, (laughs) but I made sure that my dog and my cat were boys, so I wasn't completely outnumbered. You're trying to even it out there, basically. Tried to even it out a little bit. Yes, makes sense. (laughs) Well, first of all, thank you, Matthew, for kind of sharing a little bit about yourself. I mean, you definitely touched upon a few different things that I'd like to explore a little bit further. So medical sales, you know, uh, it's an interesting career path, but obviously you figured out it wasn't necessarily something that was lighting a fire under you. So at what point did you say, eh, this isn't for me. I want to try something different. Well, I always kind of knew, I always had, um, I would say what I categorize as my realistic goals and my pipe dreams. Um, and I'm a, again, I'm a big believer in chasing both. But I think with the realistic goals to make yourself happy on an everyday basis, get that foundation first while you chase your pipe dream. So although medical sales was very good to me and I got to travel the country a lot and attend a lot of these conferences and see part of the uh, parts of the country I normally wouldn't see, um, it wasn't making me happy. And I think if you find a job where you're at least happy every day not necessarily blissful, but happy, at least you can, you know, uh, handle the rest of the trials and tribulations that come with life anyway. So that's why I'm doing what I'm currently doing. 
Um, but me being the constant, always want to go after that pipe dream at the same time. That's why I've also delved into the um, screenwriting and filmmaking aspect too. So it's not that it was a bad job in any way. It just wasn't making me happy enough. And I am a big believer in you only got one go around at life. So I just don't like to waste anything or I try to minimize my regrets as much as possible. And that's an admirable approach, right? To try to minimize regrets and take those risks as opposed to constantly thinking, oh, I should try to take this risk. You actually take the risks. And I think that says a lot. Now you uh, talked a bit about the H word there, happiness. So how do you, <laughs> Matthew Schmidt, define happiness then? I'm very goal-oriented. So I have found I'm always at my happiest when I achieve goals, even if they're baby step goals. Um, I'm very much into fitness. So if I uh, get myself into a hardcore routine and after three months see, you know, exceptional results, exceptional results, especially at my age, then I'm extremely happy. I know that I put in the hard work and sacrifice when it comes to screenplays from the day I start, um, fade in typing in. And then the day I finish that first draft, it's just, it's a, it's just an overwhelming feeling of accomplishment and knowing that I did something valuable with my time and knowing that I, in the case of screenwriting, put something down on paper that has been in my head for some time. So, you know, people can get caught up in the mundane of everyday life. Um, it's very easy to fall into a routine. And I can tell you that with a job, wife and two kids, very active kids, um, we are very much a scheduled family and it can get mundane. It just can't. Um, so you really wanna try to find something that makes yourself happy as well Otherwise, you're just going to get caught in that endless rotation. And I just I'm not a big believer in school work uh, and then you die. You know, I want something a little more out of life. I think that's a great way to frame that, actually. It's not just like, like I said, school work, then you die. But it sounds, as you said, very mundane and boring and almost, uh, right. yeah, pointless in a lot of ways besides just checking the box. So it's really about, uh, as you said, I, I love how you sort of describe, you know, the realistic dreams and sort of the pipe dreams. So how do you make that differentiation? How does Matthew Schmidt kind of decide what falls into one category or the other? Well, um, I, I think the key word there would be obtainable. Hmm. Um, let's look at the odds. So the industry I'm in now is very obtainable but yet still makes me happy. So it's not, um, it's not something that is so far out of reach. Whereas let's take, for example, my pipe dream, the film industry is extremely hard to obtain. And it's in a lot of ways, it's almost like winning the lottery um, because how many successful people are in the film industry and how many actually stay in the film industry for an extended period of time. Um, you know, it's, there are some people who can have that one hit, like a, like for instance, like a band, like a one hit wonder, and they can ride that wave uh, till the end of their working life. Um, uh, I'm just trying to think of like something like a, uh, 
uh, I'm going to date myself here, but the uh, Oh, Mickey, You're So Fine song from the 80s. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's been you, even though it ran its course on the radio, mm-hmm. it um, extended into commercials to this day. So it, <laughs> I'm sure that person, and I, for, forgive me, I forget her name at the moment, but I want to say it was Tony something, but I, yeah, that sounds um, right. Um, but I'm sure she's laughing all the way to the bank with that one. And, you know, but I, I think it, uh, I'm sorry, but I digress. It's okay. Um, I think that it does come down to obtainability and mm. the likelihood of getting someone in my current job, as opposed to the likelihood of getting someone uh, into the film industry is just a huge probability gap. Um, mm. You know, you can also compare it to playing professional sports. How many athletes are there versus how many pro athletes are there? Mm. And it's an extremely small number. Um and you just don't know. So I, I don't want to live a, I want to live like a good life and then build upon a foundation and try to make it better from there, not just struggle and go after the dream. Yeah. I love that. Uh, the obtainable measurement there, you know, and I, I love how you sort of put that in a statistical format, right. Of how, of how many people are in the industry. And again, it's how many actually become a professional athlete. I think that uh, when you put it that way, the chances of being successful in some of these fields are pretty slim. Yes. I like that actually. So I'm going to ask you this other question. It's not, you, I, I love sort of your approach. Uh, you sort of frame things in a very logical way, statistics, numbers. So where does that come from? Um, it probably comes from all my friends and family always wanting me to be a lawyer, although I never did pursue it. But <laughs> um, no, I'm I'm just I'm I'm very much a I'm I try to take everything that's gray in life and make it black and white, hmm. not to diminish it in the sense that everything is black and white because it's it's definitely not. Life is a big gray area. But I think if you simplify things for yourselves as much as possible, you can handle things a lot better. So when I think of whether it be big picture or everyday things, I look at, okay, what is the simple logical solution to take with this? And usually it ends up being the right one because if you drown out all the noise and just try to focus on, okay, what's actually important? Um, then it, it does help you navigate life. Um, I'll give you an example that's not necessarily goal-oriented, but everyday life. I hear a lot of people saying, this friend let me down for this reason, or this friend let me down for that reason. Now, I don't want to sound cold. Um, my close friends are like my brothers. They're uh, closer to me than a lot of my family members. But I also know that if I want to go see a movie, I know which friend to call. Mm. If I want to go have a few drinks, I know which friend to call. If I want to go work out, I know which friend to call. That way, if you know what to expect from people, you have much less chance of being disappointed in life. So Mm. that's kind of taking a a gray area of friendships slash relationships and simplifying it so that I don't have to deal with those obstacles as much. Now we're all human and we all get let down from time to time anyway, but it, it does, it does reduce it for sure. Yeah. That's a, that's actually a very, um, 
effective approach, right? Because obviously, as you said, we're all human, we're all <laughs> making complex decisions, and we're all driven by emotions. And you're putting frameworks around the complexities of human emotions as much as you can actually helps, it sounds like with your own sanity as you're trying to navigate life. Yeah, well, I, I am in a very high stress job, too. Mm. So I kind of have to, you know, I'm glad I have the type of mindset that I do even before I started this job, because I think I'm more apt to handle these certain stresses. Um, also with like, um, like the passing of loved ones, you know, I've had other friends say, how were you able to be so strong through it? And I'm like, well, it's not that I was strong. It's just that when it got to the point where their quality of life was so bad that they were suffering more than they were living. I was able to accept that if you have no quality of life left, mm -hmm. is there really a point to keep going? Are, are you living for yourself or are you living for other people who want you around longer? You know, and so I was able to reconcile or come to terms with certain passings um, using that mindset, using, well, they had no quality of life left. Right. So I didn't want them to suffer any longer. Well, and again, I commend you for using yet another framework, right? This is about your measuring if somebody's quality of life is there or not from your perspective. And if it wasn't there, then it helps you deal with a potentially very emotionally draining situation. Right. And, but don't get me wrong. I still had my cry moments and sure. let it all out. <laughs> well, right. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm definitely... <laughs> definitely not a robot. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I was going to say, otherwise you'd be a sociopath if you had no connection to emotions at all as a human being. And right. I think it actually says a lot about you that you're able to do that. And, you know, and there, there's a term um, in behavioral health called wise mind, which is saying on one hand, uh, you know, human beings are emotional, but if you only focus on the emotions, then you're just going to be in the swirl of emotions and get drained and you're going to be able to live your life. But on the other side, it's this logical mind, which is solely without emotions. And again, you know, you're not a robot or a sociopath. Wise mind is sort of in the middle of both of them. And it sounds like that's what you're practicing. Well, there's a quote I really like, and I'm going to have to paraphrase it because I don't know it exactly, but it's basically like, um, it's okay to have emotions, but if you let them get out of control, they will use you. Um, yeah. so I just try to keep that balance. Um, like, uh, you know, I know that I am extremely emotional and well, n emotional is the wrong word. I'm extremely affectionate and loving with my kids. Mm -hmm. And I learned that from my mother because she was extremely affectionate and loving with me. So I like to pass that along because it gives you, uh, I felt it gave me a very much a security blanket, knowing that I'm always like loved and cared for, you know, and I tried to pass that along. Um, and then, but at the same time, I don't let my, the fact that they're daddy's little girls, I don't let them, you know, get away with everything. You know, I know when to, you know, be strict and be uh, motivatingly tough on them. Sure. So. Yeah, it's a balance. It truly is a balance. And it sounds like you've uh, struck that balance as much as you can, but you also leave I yourself, try. <laughs> I was gonna say, you leave yourself room to be human, knowing that, right. you know, some of the days you're maybe feeling stressed from work, or maybe you're feeling hungry or something, and you may be a little more emotional than you normally would be. And it comes out in ways, but it sounds like you're not beating yourself up over that. 
No, I do. I definitely get hangry though. from time to time. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> I guess, that. I guess we all do at some point. <laughs> well, so, you know, I, I actually really appreciate your, your focus there on using frameworks almost to navigate the complexities of life. And again, uh, you seem to really have a great handle on that. Um, I'm wondering, you know, when you talk about the independent films that you are participating in, screenwriting, directing, all the things you do, how does your philosophy sort of translate into the films that you do, that you're involved with? Um, I think because I'm so new to this mm. process, um, I'll give you just a little bit of a background. So I start, um, so you maybe understand where I'm okay. coming from. Sure. Um, I started just by screenwriting because I had had ideas in my head for ever. And I just kept putting it off, putting it off, letting myself get caught up in the everyday life and achieving my realistic goals. Um, and then, um, I'm not sure if you'll remember this. I want to say it was right around 2014, 2015. Um, and alcoholic root beer came out. Uh, one of them was called Not Your Father's Root Beer. And the other one, I believe, was called Coney Island Root Beer. Um, and I'm like, damn, I had that idea years and years ago. I'm like, it's in the name Root Beer. How could they not make an alcoholic version? And I saw it flying off the shelf absolutely flying off the shelf it wasn't in stock when it first came out you couldn't get it it was back ordered everywhere and i'm like son of a bitch i'm like i could have been raking in the dough and i sat on these ideas and it it absolutely infuriated me and it lighted a you know metaphorical fire under my butt and i'm like okay those ideas that you've had for years about screenplays and you kept promising yourself you'll sit down one day and do it and do it do it now you're going to sit down and do it so i just sat down I, because again it comes back to regret you know and it's like i have this huge regret about this root beer thing you know that i never pursued or even tried to figure out the process of making it and i'm like now you're going to not regret anymore. You are going to make sure that this never happens again. So I started writing the screenplays. Um, I'm very happy with the screenplays. I am confident that if it got in front of the right pair of eyes, that it would, um, you know, go somewhere. However, when you are a no-namer and you're trying to write screenplays, it's not that people are reading you and rejecting you. They're just not reading you. They could care less who you are, what you have to say. And in all fairness to them, agents and managers get bombarded with these all the time. So I'm not blaming the industry. It's just, like I said, it's like winning the lottery. So um, I was just scrolling through Facebook one day and I saw an ad for a movie on Amazon Prime. So I had, uh, I looked, I watched it. And it was a found footage horror film. And are you familiar with uh, found footage stuff? Okay. <laughs> Just making sure. Some people aren't. That's fair. Fair. Um, I mean, if you want to um, take a moment to explain it, because some listeners and viewers may not be just for a moment. Okay. Uh, I, the most famous example would be the Blair Witch Project. Um, another famous example would be the Paranormal Activity films. It's films that are done intentionally amateur looking to look like just your everyday person shot it. And, you know, uh, some of them have knocked it out of the park and a lot of them have fallen flat. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
So I was watching this film and about five minutes into the film, he mentions, he mentions Atlantic city electric, which mm-hmm. doesn't just serve Atlantic city, but it serves all of South Jersey. Mm-hmm. So I said, Oh, this guy's from my area. So I found him on fa- Facebook. I messaged him and we started talking back and forth. And he said, and I said, how did you get your movie on Amazon prime? Like, I'm like, did they just see it and liked it and requested it? He said, no, it's actually, uh, it's pretty much an open forum for independent filmmakers. I said, get out of here. I said, that's crazy. So I thought to myself, okay, if I could build a name for myself through this, like he did, he actually got uh, a lot of success through his films. I was like, maybe. Maybe I can build a name for myself and then somebody will listen to me and I can say, here's a screenplay, which would require the full Hollywood machine behind it. I couldn't uh, produce it myself. Um, I was like, okay, maybe that's the path to take. So ever since then, I've been slowly um, producing these films, uh, trying to make a little more of a name for myself. And it's like, it's been a slow progress. So it's like the first one, you know, wasn't very good, wasn't very well received. The next movie was much better received. And now I'm trying to make the next one even better than that. And as long as I keep growing as a filmmaker, then then I'm uh, the H word, as you put it, happy. <laughs> so um, you'll have to remind me how we got on this topic because I tend to ramble. And it's okay. It was just forward. really about how does what you do, how does your philosophy kind of apply to your, you know, the your philosophy films? is I'm very much a student. Um, of film and uh, the way I am is because I am an absolute movie lover movie buff Mm. so my philosophy in that sense is lay the groundwork um, stick to what has worked in Mm. the past with past films but present it in a way that it's uniquely still yours Mm. Um, so certain shots are of mine are inspired by shots of movies that I absolutely loved. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, uh, certain images, certain Mm -hmm. uh, primal chords that I like to tug on. Um, So it's, it's a philosophy very different than my everyday life of like that logic. It's more, you know, bring out that love of film and, you know, what like what really tugs on your heartstrings and you know i don't mean just heartstrings emotionally i mean you know heartstrings of every emotion sure and throw it into the film so that's where my philosophy starts and i'm trying to learn and get better at the technical side of it yeah i think thank you for sharing that by the way i mean there's a certain element of vulnerability in saying that you uh realize you have opportunities to improve and it goes back to what you said earlier right about the failing and then learning from that failure. And I like to call them fabulous failures, right? So we, we anticipate failing and then we continue to improve and, and every day closer to better basically is what you're talking about. And I would still say there's a level of technicality that you're incorporating. Yes, it's emotions. Yes, it's pulling on the heartstrings and all the emotions, but you're still following in some ways a framework of what was set before with certain shots and certain scenes from other movies. So you're continuously kind of pulling together the emotional side and the logical side in a very effective way. So I want to commend you on that. Thank you. And failure is um, another quote I love is failure is the recipe for success. Yes. I, it's the losers who fail once and quit. 
the winner mm. picks himself back up and tries again. Yep. So that's what I'm trying to do. Extremely well said, and, and clearly you're doing it. So we're about out of time here, and I want to sort of ask you one final question. Uh, what advice would you give to people out there who may be listening or viewing about anything, about maybe challenges people are facing? I mean, you've said a lot today, a very lot of valuable uh, information and guidance. I'm wondering what sort of what final thoughts or guidance might you give anybody who's tuning in? It's going to sound a little repetitive, but um, I, I would like people, if there's going to be one thing they, they walk away from by hearing this, um, it would be regrets. Um, regrets are huge and they will, they will haunt you. Hmm. Um, I know from personal experience, they've haunted me. Um, I just think you need to go after, I, I think you need to smartly go after what you want. So don't, don't throw yourself on the unemployment line just to go after a dream make sure you have a foundation that you actually have a, a, you know a place to live bills are paid everything get at least the basic foundation and then off of that build off it because it is much easier to build off of than to springboard from the bottom um but re yeah regret is just a big thing try to minimize your regrets because they will eat you up inside. And I promise you that even if you try and fail, I promise you'll feel a thousand times better. And I would like to give, if we have enough time, just one quick example of that. Um, football was another regret of mine that I never did anything with. Uh, I didn't pursue it the way I wanted to after high school. Um, years later, I got an opportunity to try out for the Arena Football League. I did it. Um, I was able to throw better than a lot of people who were playing all through college. And even though I did not get selected, I came out of that tryout with an extreme weight lifted off my shoulders mm. and never thought about it again. I obtained complete peace with it. Wow. So I promise if you try and even fail, you will get those demons out. Love that. That is awesome. I mean, truly, you can't compete. The, the, the again, the theme is about regrets and, and just doing it and failing. Uh, you're going to be a billion times better than if you always constantly think, oh, I should have done this. So well said, Matthew. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. And I appreciate you taking the time and sharing your perspective and feelings on the show today. So thank you very much for appearing on Brainboro. No, I appreciate having me. This has been great. Yeah, my pleasure. And of course, I do want to thank all the listeners and viewers out there for tuning in today. And on behalf of Matthew Schmidt, this is Mark D. Valenti for Brainboro. Have an amazing rest of your day. You just dug deep with Mark D. Do you want more? Follow Mark on Instagram at Valenti Horror and subscribe to the Brain Burrow Podcast. <laughs>